Hello, and welcome to Sherlock, from Adler to Amberley. An attempt to analyse all 56 of the Sherlock Holmes short stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. In order. Starting with the first story, A Scandal in Bohemia, featuring the celebrated adventuress Irene Adler, and finishing with the final story of the casebook of Sherlock Holmes, The Retired Cullerman, where Holmes and Watson accept the case from Mr Josiah Amberley. Hence, from Adler to Amberley. My name is Carl Kopak, and I'll be presenting this irregular series along with a special guest as we attempt to assess the value of each tale of the canon. A recap of The Adventure of the Stockbroker's Clerk by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Holmes calls upon Watson one day, which is a bit of a change to the usual um, opening of them sitting together at 2-1-B Baker Street. He's um, set up a practice of his own, a medical practice, and Holmes comes to visit him. Uh, Watson's delighted and they have a nice little chat where Holmes shows off some of his deductive skills, where he deduces that Watson's had a summer cold by looking at his slippers and uh, they're having a nice little chat about uh, their past cases and what have you. And then Sherlock just drops in the fact that he's got a patient, sorry, a patient, a client, um, in a four-wheeler outside, uh, and he'd like Watson to go to Birmingham with him. Of course, Watson uh, was very much looking forward to having another case, and um, he goes with him immediately, and they on the train where he meets a man called Mr Hall Pycroft. Pycroft is a stockbroker, um, he's a Cockney. They make a big deal about him being a Cockney in the story. And the story actually drops into sort of Cockney language, Victorian Cockney language at best. Um, so, for example, he says, um, uses the term, uh, on the same lay as myself, you know, and, you know, talks about, you know, the, the screw was a pound a week extra, that sort of thing, the wage. Um, but what he talks about is the fact that he... Um, had a job and he was let go because of a loan error um, uh, and uh, a few of the clerks were, were let loose and he'd saved about £70 altogether, which was a very, very large sum of money. But um, he'd worked his way through that £70 and through the other side and, um, as he said, there was a perfect frost come the end. He had no money at all. He applied for a clerk's job at uh, the great the great um, broker's Mawson and Williams, I think it is, in Great Lombard Street. Um, and he got the job, sight unseen. He didn't have to go to an interview. He was just told to present himself on the Monday and he would have been uh, employed um, with a slightly higher raise for, for in, in wages for probably just about the same sort of duty. So he's all very, he's very happy, you know, he's hugging himself. But he goes home and he's met by a man called, well, a man called um, uh, Arthur Pinner, um, knocks on his door and says, um, are you Hall Pycroft? And he asks him a few questions. He says, you know, did you keep up with the markets while you were at work? He said, yes. I'm thinking, what's going on here? And he tests him and he said, okay, so, well, I work for uh, I work for a firm and we've got lots of capital which has been privately acclaimed. It's very, very quiet. And we'd like you to be the manager of the um, Franco Midland Hardware Company um, with um, premises in Birmingham. And he said... Uh, 
the um the the salary starts at five hundred pounds a year, which is a phenomenal sum, and already makes Pycroft suspicious, and he says, um, you know, but but um that that's only a part of it because you're going to receive one percent on all payments going on to the um, for everything that's sold in this this hardware company. Pycroft says yes, of course, and and Pinner seems as good as this word because he gives him a hundred pounds immediately, which. As we've learned from previous stories, such as the Copper Beaches, forty pound is a good salary for for a governess. So he's basically been given two and a half years worth of governess salary before he's even set foot in an office. So, so he's suspicious, but he's thinking, no, it's a good deal. He's, anyway, he's told to go the next day to uh, to Birmingham to meet um, uh, the other pinner, his, his brother, Harry. Do, do forgive me if I get the mixed up Harry and Arthur. Um, so I'm doing this without notes. Um, uh, well, and he said, you know, you'll meet him there. They're both very different men. Obviously, we're brothers, but, you know, he's very sort of... Um, my brother's a bit more serious than I am, quite sort of, you know, quite jovial in appearance. And he's very likeable straight away, is, is Arthur Pinner. Um, but it's going to be OK. He said, now, what do you want to do about Mawson? He said, oh, first thing you want to do, could, can, you, um, can you write out this note to say that, you know, to take to my brothers to say that, you know, I'm perfectly willing to take up this job, etc. So um, he dictates what to say, and Pycroft writes down and signs it. Um, he then says, what are you going to do about Mawson's? Because you're supposed to be starting there on Monday. And he says, well, I'll write immediately and tell him I'm now, I've got him with the job. Um, and Pinder says, no, no, don't, don't do that, because I had a bet with... I, I, I said to them that, you know, Pycroft is too good to go and work for you. And the man at Mawson said, you know, well, we dragged him out the gutter, you know, we, he, he'd rather have our safe money than yours. And um, so, that, you know, we dragged him out the gutter when he was nothing. And, of course, Pycroft is offended by that. I said, OK, well, if you don't want me to go and... If you want me to just not turn up and, you know, not say anything, then uh, I'll do that. How dare he talk about me like that? Um, but, so he leaves, and Pycroft is um, a little bit naive, maybe, but um, but he is very, very suspicious, so he goes and sees Holmes. Holmes goes around to see Watson, and now they're all sat together um, telling this story on the train. But Pycroft went to Birmingham the next day, obviously without Sherlock, and um, he said he met the other Pinner brother, and he was a bit, you know, a bit fair. He was clean shaven, where Arthur Pinner is bearded, and um, they go to the to the premises. But there's no name above the door. There's like a really sort of scratchy room, um, you know, just a desk and a ledger, and he just doesn't look good at all. And his first task is to write out um, a list of all the companies that sell crockery in the X area, you know, that sort of thing. So it's not the greatest job in the world, but he said it's quite necessary. Um, and he starts on the Saturday. This goes on um, for a while, and then you know Pycroft starts working on the job, and he even, he works from home even and in Bergen in his hotel room, but he can't get it done. He goes to meet um, Harry Pinner again and says, "I can't finish this off." So don't worry, keep going. Um, and he's telling, telling he tells Holmes and Watson this story, and then he says, "One thing I did notice though was when." Um, Harry Pinner laughed because he told him, "Why don't you go to um, Day's Musical, which actually existed uh, in Birmingham?" And uh, and he laughed as he said that. You know, they were having a little sing song and a little bit of a laugh. And he said he noticed that um, he's got a gold filling. Um, he said a crown badly stuffed with gold, and he noticed that Arthur Pinner had the same thing. Therefore, it's the same man. Why is he impersonating him? And um, why is he being two people at the same time? And why has he asked him to write a letter from himself to himself? So they go up to Birmingham, the three of them, and uh, they said, how, I, how are we going to be introduced? And, and Holmes says, well, why don't we pretend I'm a clerk? Um, sorry, I'm a manager, or, and, and Watson's a clerk, which is you know, poor old Watson. 
and they go there and they meet um, Harry Pinner, but he's a very much a broken man. He's, you know, please leave me on my own, I'm not here myself, etc. And um, Pycroft says, yeah, but, you know, you invited me here. Um, I said, okay, well, fine. Who are the men with you? So he introduced them and said, oh, yeah, you know, we can probably give them a job, you know, that sort of thing. Now leave me alone. And he goes into a room and they hear some strange knockings in the next room. And um, Holmes says, um, are they giving me the slip? And they says, well, no, because there's, there's no other door in there. They open the door and he's tried to hang himself. Um, as he's like, obviously, Watson being the doctor saves his life. And he says, I don't quite work out why he's done this. Why has he gone to this room to just hang himself? And uh, Pinner says, um, the paper, look at the paper. And they find that an early edition of the, evening, uh, the um, evening Standard. And what's happened is that his... Um, a man called Bledington, um, who is his criminal um, partner, he was being impersonating Hall Pycroft and go, went to Mawson's just so he could basically go in there to steal a great deal of money. Um, uh, there's, there's some talk of scripts of mines and, and various shares and things like that. But um, as he was doing this on the Saturday, pretending that he was Pycroft, um, he was stopped by a, 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 a sort of... Um, uh, a security guard of some sort um, who he ended up... A, a night watchman's the word I'm looking for. A night watchman who he killed. So, obviously, and he's been caught. So, Pinner knows that his um, accomplice is going to hang. Um, and he was so down about this that, you know, his career's over and he's lost his friend. His friend's going to be killed. Then he broke down uh, and, cr- and uh, into tears. And then they get the train back together. So, Holmes and Watson don't really do anything in this story. But let's discuss this now with Leslie. Our guest this week is Leslie Quinn. Leslie is a Canadian genealogist and Sherlock Holmes enthusiast with an interest in history that dates back to at least at the age of seven when she decorated a new dollhouse entirely in the Victorian style. An actor and director in her free time, her love of all things Holmes came in, ad- in handy when she worked on the two Holmes adjacent plays, as she calls them. She was also the co-host of a brand new podcast called Evidently Sherlock, The Case for Adaptations, where she and her friend Rick, I'm going to say Rick, R-Y-K, um, discusses, discuss the various adaptations of Sherlock Holmes that have been produced over the years. Leslie, thank you so much for coming on to the show to talk about the stockbroker's clerk. Um, we always start with the same questions, to be honest. Um, well, but one thing I want to know more about is your, your own podcast. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so um, this it's a new podcast. Um, we don't actually have the first episode out yet. I actually had started thinking about this just before I kind of just before I got in touch with you. And I had been sort of, you know, at some point I thought, oh, you know what, maybe when my podcast is out and I'm a little more, you know, known, maybe then I'll get in touch with them. And then you gave me this opportunity. And I thought, well, this is good. But no, it's uh, we wanted to go through and look at all of the, the different adaptations of Sherlock Holmes, because I mean, there's just so, so many, you know, starting from, from William Gillette all the way up, you know, through Rathbone and Bruce and just so many like uh, Ronald Howard. Um, and then, you know, of course, into the more recent ones, the BBC Sherlock Elementary, all of those. And so my friend Rick and I were both actors and directors, and we really wanted to look at it from both the perspective of how well uh, there are adaptationally, you know, how, how well do they capture the feel or stick to the stories, but also how well do they stand on their own as a production? Because there are reasons why you have to change something. And then there's other reasons when you look at it and you go, why did they do that? So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always, I've, I've been 
watching some of the old Brett ones, and I, I mentioned this when we did when we did the cardboard box with the um, however improbable podcast, um, uh, Sarah and, and Marissa. And yeah, uh, yeah. Why, why suddenly set it in France? Yeah, what? 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 You yeah, set this in me. France? <laughs> why have you done that? And yeah, I, yeah. There's weird moments. <laughs> Uh, are you going to be doing the um, the slightly less serious ones? Well, Will Ferrell, even Roland Rat, if that was a thing oh, you came across. Yeah, we we have plans. Um, we're, we've got plans. There's because there's some some crazy ones out there. Um, yeah, we want to we want to do the Great Mouse Detective, um, Sherlock Holmes in the 23rd century. It's a cartoon. I don't know if you know that one. This cartoon wow. show from the <laughs> <like> 90s. <laughs> so we want uh, Watson's uh, an android. Sherlock Holmes is uh, frozen. Frozen, reanimated, because somehow Moriarty has come back. I, I don't really remember exactly. We have to go back and watch it. And yeah, um, Watson is is a is a cyborg that they've downloaded Watson's memories to. Wow, what, who who are we doing this with? Uh, my friend Rick. So he's, he's of course you are. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I, I I did apparently I did pronounce Rick's name correctly. Yes, I, I did. Yes. I, I, I said <laughs> in the bio, I wasn't sure, but I got it got that right. Otherwise, we've been talking about Reich all night. <laughs> you're thinking what the hell are you talking about yes i should have clarified that <laughs> oh i like the sound of this are you going to be doing the that's i've got to ask this because I'm, I'm very obviously a fan are you going to be doing the radio 4 adaptations as well oh my gosh yes i love that so so much i it excites me a lot when you talk about it because i i just adore that series it's great <laughs> I'm, I'm john i'm going to try not to mention him this week Mention who, Carl? Mention the man who says stop talking about me and get on with the get on with the show. He's absolutely right. Let's not do that. Hello, Bert. So, um, <laughs> huge fan. Absolutely huge fan. Oh God, he's not going to come on now after all this. I know. That's just, that's just, that's just, um, you, you mentioned briefly about about your love of um, Sherlock. How did it really sort of manifest? I know it, it involves a Victorian doll's house, as as many people do. Obviously, <laughs> first thing you think of. It's kind of weird because I, I don't know that I can actually pinpoint a specific moment when I got into Sherlock Holmes. It's, it's more of a, I can't actually remember when I wasn't. Um, I think that, I know I had a, a kid's, like abridged version of the Copper Beaches. So that may have been what it was. Ah, well, can, whoa, stop there. <laughs> <laughs> a children's version of the Copper Beaches where yeah. a dog is shot. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I have been trying to, I thought that it was in a pile of old books that I had, because I, I swear I saw it not that long ago, and somebody had given me some of my old things for my kids, and I swear that I saw it there, and I have been looking all over the place for it, and I can't find it anywhere, because um, I really wanted to see, because I thought that's the weirdest thing, they've done others, but that was the one that I had, and that is the absolute weirdest thing that I can think of, to have a children's version of the Copper Beaches, but... wow. I, I can't remember what happens, how they change it, but I had it. <laughs> and, so, and one of the characters is drunk throughout. Yeah, right. It's it's the strangest thing. It, it's like I I really hope I have it sitting around here somewhere because I I really want to find this book and figure out what it uh, what it is. But yeah, it was. I, yeah, I don't remember anything about it. Just remember the title. That's what I had because I saw it recently, like the book. But again, can't find it. So. It's it's strange, but yeah. So I um I'm sure that I read you know I know I read Hound of the Baskervilles at some point. It may have had something to do with school. I know that by my teenage years, I, that's when I was very into it. Um, I uh, 
I started watching uh, some of the adaptations. Then actually, I remember getting the uh, Rathbone and Bruce um, Hound of the Baskervilles because I really wanted to see this. You know, I was really into finding good adaptations even then. I was horribly disappointed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then found, uh, then somewhere in there, I found the Jeremy Brett one. Um, and and it's just the the interest has has always been there. I uh, I even and um, I even wrote fan fiction uh, back in the day. Oh, we've all done that, don't worry. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, yeah, most of it, most of it's been been I've scrubbed most of it from the internet, but it was there at one point. Um, and then yeah, I just it's that's just been an, an interest. Um, I've I've. Uh, got you know a few different copies of the books I have an actually a facsimile copy of the strand which is great because it's got all the original drawings and it's just always been there right I love finding the new the new uh, ways it's being done or old ones um right finding the old uh like finding Ronald Howard's the series with Ronald Howard that was crazy yeah. it's surprisingly good you know it, like it's got its, it's got its problems but it's it for what I was you know it's got a lot to recommend to it i think you know um and so it's just i've just always had that that interest and uh it's been there so but yeah um <laughs> excellent sorry i'm up to my mind i'm still racing at the thought of the the children's version of a copper beaches <laughs> i know it's so weird if i ever find it i'll send you like screenshots of it because no, but, but please please <laughs> do I, I want to see that jo john are you looking forward to the child's version of the cardboard box <laughs> Definitely. I think the, the only other one I'd like is the uh, the child's version of the Speckled Band. Oh, yeah, just a bit of... Yes. A, a bit I'm of, not sure. <laughs> oh, man. So, sorry, I'm just... I'm, I'm actually writing fan fiction now in the notes on the side as we do this. <laughs> me, that is extraordinary. I, I really like But one thing I will say is, um, this is to the listener, uh, is that Leslie got in touch with us to see if you could um, not just to promote her her, uh, her her own podcast, but um, she just wanted to be on. She liked the show, wanted to be on, and um, just let you know that there are guest slots available. There are still some big stories coming up. We've got some big guests, and we are we are booked for a while. But um, if you suddenly decide, I've always wanted to talk about the Golden Ponds now on a podcast with two people I've never met, then this is your chance. So feel free to get in touch at Adler Two on Twitter, and um, there's every chance we could put you on the radio if this is the radio, but it isn't, but you know what I mean. Um, let's have a look at the stockbroker's clerk. All right. <laughs> Did you, do you like it? I, I do. Um, I do like it. I, like <laughs> I love that answer straight away. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I, I do like it. Um, I think it's enjoyable. Um, yeah, it's definitely an enjoyable story. I don't know how much I like it as a Sherlock Holmes story. This is happening like a lot. I was really interested with something that um, uh, that Paul said when we discussed the yellow face. When he said, "It's a great story, but it's a great Grant Munro story, not necessarily a great Sherlock story." Oh yeah, I forgot you'd said that. Yeah, that's. And I that's think this could be quite similar. Yeah, it really feels like that because you know, I, I the more I got thinking about it and read it, I thought, what what does Holmes actually do in it? He doesn't actually do that much. No, and it's becoming a bit of a theme with the memoirs, I think. Yeah, it really kind um, of is. This, this little collection. I, I should say, um, just to declare my own interest, I really like a stockbroker, the stockbroker's clerk. 
<laughs> and I like the fact that it's a recycled plot, which we, we will come on to talk about. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I like the fact that the man who is the main protagonist in this has fallen over something so simple that he's recognised immediately. Um, with, you know, with, with, with you know the, the badly stuffed crown of gold. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, do, I don't know. There's something I, I quite like about the fact. I don't know. I don't know. I like the fact that he travelled to another city when mm-hmm. they, they could have just done it around the corner quite as easily. I quite like that thing as well. Um, yeah. But I think more than anything else about it, I just like what one thing I've noticed with the memoirs is he he's really mastered intros. I think this is one of the most interesting introductions because there isn't, again, like the Yellowface, there isn't a great deal of story, but there sort of is, but it can be sort yeah, of, um, yeah. it can be sort of crystallized quite quickly, but it's a great opening. Oh, it really is. I, I really do like the opening a lot. Um, just, there's, there's, just, there's, yeah. just so much to recommend it because we're going to start with a very, very early Watson watch on this one. Um, mm-hmm. John, Watson's moved house. And it's the most action he's done in months. So I, I, I really. Sorry, Joe, go on. No, he's, he's, now, he's now got a surgery. He's got a surgery. And I, the reason I think I really like this is because he's really shuffling the pack with the opening. So Silver Blaze, he admits he's made a mistake. The Yellow Face, obviously, you've, I mean, you've got the, uh, the, the whole thing about the mind reading scene and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and I. Sherlock Holmes house guest. Wow. Yeah. It's it's really strange. Um, yeah, it's neat yeah. to see the different uh, the you know, the different openings is you know just putting him in different places, right? I've got one issue though with it. You've got to feel a bit sorry for Hall Pycroft while Watson's while Holmes is sat down <laughs> talking about slippers and things. I was just thinking of that this morning. I was sitting and looking at it and thinking, how long is this guy sitting in the in the cab for? <laughs> and and also, did Victorian cabs have a meter running? How much is this costing him? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that as well. Can you imagine. Uh, <laughs> With the wages for Pycroft's on, I don't think the meter's going to matter much to him. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this is on me, lads. Don't you worry about that. I am yeah. loaded at the moment. Um, I, I, I just... I, I wish they could be able to put an extra scene in where they where they got back in again. So what kept you so long, Mr. Holmes? Oh, we were just talking about um, the deduction about him being sick because of his slippers. Anyway, um, Houston Station, please, Cabby. <laughs> I, I just, I just love that idea. Well, what do you think of um of the um of the basic premise of the story? I mean, I we, we, we might as well declare the elephant in the room. Is, isn't it the redheaded Lee? Oh yeah, yeah, it is. It is a hundred percent. I mean, it's and um I think you mentioned too uh, the the three Garadubs as well, right? This thing yeah. where they're just getting him out of the way. Um, but you know what it also reminded me of too and this is more the structure of it is the engineer's thumb not because of what yeah. happens but the structure right it's with the engineer's thumb you get um it's it's most of the story is uh, a flashback right yeah. um, being told and then the same thing here you get the story the difference is that the dramatic thing happens towards the end as opposed to the beginning of the story but it, it felt very similar to that just in the structure of it and also, I'd like to think because the end of the of the engineer's thumb, I think, is terrible. <laughs> I I think it's so bad. Yeah. So, but you know, I've lost all my money and I've lost my thumb, and yeah. But you've got a good story. 
story ends. Is that it? But at least, at least he gets a resolution. I couldn't, I couldn't help but sit there and, and wonder what what happens to poor Pycroft now. Um, <laughs> Right. That's actually one thing that I really, really like about the the radio series is the fact that they actually take a few minutes to have him sort of go, well, gee, I don't have a job now. And yeah. Holmes actually says, oh, I can put in a good word for you somewhere. And, uh, you know, but it's it's otherwise it's yeah, like I just feel very unsatisfied about about this poor guy. You know, he's he's gone from having this what seems like a well, what seems like a, really, a good position to a great position to no position. <laughs> Yeah, he's been part of a, um, uh, and, and let's face it as well, I mean, he, he could still be a suspect. Mm-hmm. At that stage, he is still a suspect because he's just, you know, looks like he's got a job, then run off, put his mate inside. And um, and if it wasn't for Sherlock, I mean, he's got to justify that. Oh, yeah. He, he is just, there is there is some blame to be added there. Obviously, you know, it's hardly his fault. Um, you mentioned the three Garadebs. Um one thing I it's a bit, again you were talking about you know you, you came up with this thought this morning I thought this this morning as well. Not only is the three Garadabs very very similar to both these stories, but where does Garadab go off to when he's sent on his wild goose chase? Oh, it's Birmingham, of course. Birmingham again. It's Birmingham, yeah. I mean, Sir Arthur's really swinging the lead here. Oh, <laughs> let's just I don't know. Oh, uh, Birmingham again. Birmingham. <laughs> Weird things happen in Birmingham apparently. <laughs> it's just really strange yeah. yeah um i'm really pleased obviously that you mentioned the the, the radio 4 version because yeah. I, I i really like that ending and i was a bit when i reread it this week i was a bit disappointed to see that it doesn't end that that way and yeah, i also yeah. like the fact that home says you know so tell us about the venezuelan loan deal or whatever it was they made up to um and then it just it just fades out with them you know with, with the, the the horse rattling along as they go off in their cab back to the station yeah, yeah. i like that yeah that would have been a neat part of the story to have <laughs> yeah I, th- I think maybe the story needed a bit sort of by the way P- pycroft's okay he's absolutely fine don't worry about pycroft yeah, he's, yeah. he's fine and you know he has got a hundred quid and what have you but uh um um he does he go back to morson's that's what i wonder right i mean <laughs> in, again in the radios you know Holmes says oh i've i've got a friend there and if you show up then i can you know they'll maybe think that you because you've been fooled once you're unlikely to be yeah. fooled again um but i mean Sir Arthur doesn't give a time. no and, and this guy really he just he just you know didn't show up he didn't he didn't even call you know get in touch with them to say hey I, i'm not coming so you know he doesn't necessarily seem like the the best guy that's that you want working for you right yeah what was your previous position uh an illegal one um <laughs> i was um a duped to be a part of a conspiracy which left to a, a man being killed yeah so where's, where's my desk Bit, 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 of a, bit of a strange leap, that one. Um, this is also one of my favourite stories, because, again, just to go to the Radio 4 version, I think I really like it because in the Radio 4 version, I really like Hall Pycroft. Like, he's nice and jolly. And yeah, uh, yeah. Um, But I think one of my favourite things about this story is, and I, I don't know how authentic this is, I'm, I'm bearing in mind, we have to remind people that John and I are, uh, and our host here, we come from a Jack the Ripper background, so, you know, that, yes. that's where we're in. So we, we know a little bit about Victorian London, yeah. But uh, John more than me, I should add. But um, I like the fact that Sir Arthur attempts Cockney. <laughs> yeah. And yes. But he doesn't overdo it. 
No, he doesn't. He doesn't sit there and try to. I've I've read some books where they they type the accent out every single word, and it drives me up the wall. Yeah. So. Oh no! So, yeah. uh, oh no! That cove gav, you know all that sort of stuff. Oh god! Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> oh, like constant like that. It just oh. <laughs> Everyone's gold as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking of Bram Stoker's uh, accents in Dragon. Oh man! The one, and I think I think there's a Cockney in there as well, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I can't. It's been a long time since I've read Dracula, so I uh, I can't remember for sure, but. <laughs> So I was talking to um I've I've got as many people I've got a niece who really isn't a niece but sort of my friend's kid who would call me uncle but really I'm not uh, and she she read Dracula recently I hope I'm going to play this now I've mentioned this um Dracula I haven't read it for a while but is there a northeast accent in Dracula or am I thinking of something oh, yeah, else Yeah yeah it's the um in Whitby the um yeah this is, I know it's set up there but I don't know if there was any. Yeah, it's the the old man who they befriend uh, in, the, uh, in the church grounds. That's it, yeah. And, and um, kills when he gets to it to be the. So I, I I was trying to persuade her that the entire book is written deliberately in a northeast accent, <laughs> done by written by Brant Stoker, and that it's like you know basically a version of when the boat comes in or something like that. R- really. Showing my age here, really badly. There are several pages, um, you know, where the, uh, the 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 old man's telling a story or something, and it's all in a northeast accent. And I I have to skip those bits because I just yeah um, yeah I can't cannot handle long pages of, of of written out accents. Just you know, don't do it. <laughs> have you ever read Train Spotting? Just <laughs> I haven't. No, no, I've never read Train Spotting. <laughs> Leslie, take your time. Yeah. I'll just say that. <laughs> I love it though. I, I, I still use some terms from Rain for Train Spotting all the time. My mate calls me Cat Boy to this day, in fact. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Goat forgot, things like that. Oh, but but it works. But I, I, I just wasn't expecting. Um, what worried me about this more than anything else is because, as we've discovered on this show, Sir Arthur's knowledge of London, a city he lived in, is scant at best. <laughs> really is <laughs> so I, was just, I was a bit worried about when he starts doing accents from a class he's not a part of either mm-hmm. then i wonder i just wonder just how i mean if anyone knows on twitter just how authentic some of these terms were you know i was on the same layers myself and you know that sort of um what was it what was he says he says something like the um the screw is a pound a week more or something like that well not a week or pound a year more or something like that um and it just worries me that he's he's just seen my fair lady and just sort of copied it out of that i know the years are wrong for that but but um but I, but i quite like it and i think it does i think it does make pycroft a lot more accessible rather than you know he's, he's not as stale as alexander holder is in um uh the bell coronet yeah he's a little more real yeah and, and incredibly likable, I think, as well. Yeah. yeah, and I think you can, you know, you can understand how he sort of wound up in the situation a bit, um, because that's a lot of money. I, I mean, I was thinking this morning, again, sort of as I was looking through, you know, they mentioned Watson buying his, buying his practice and how it had shrunk from 1,200 a year to 300 a year. 
Yep. Well, Pycroft is, you know, hired at, at Mawson's for 200 a year and he's being told he's going to be getting 500 a year. Right. So that kind yeah. of gives you an idea of the of the amounts involved. Right. Um, yeah. The advance he is given um, in today's money is nearly 13,000 pounds. Wow. <laughs> Birmingham is quite expensive, though. <laughs> and, and the total wages then would at 500 a year would be... Um, Sixty-four thousand six hundred pounds. Okay. Wow. So. And, he, and he's a, and he, with the greatest respect to these people, he's a clerk. <laughs> yeah. So he's not chairman of the board or anything like that. So that that is a, a, a fair old way. I, th I think it's very interesting that that Conan Doyle uses firstly greed, because the reason he's duped is because he's it's greed, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. It, but he also at the same time uses um, homes of suspicion when someone's offered more money than they should be offered. Yeah. He, he uses he uses that sort of technique more than once. Copper yeah, Beaches yeah. being, being the obvious one as well. You know, the, not not the childhood version, which I imagine. Yeah. Has... No. <laughs> no. But solitary cyclist doesn't he do the same thing in that? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yes, and yeah. he's also very keen on. Um, Pretending somebody's wealthy, but Holmes notices that they're not as wealthy as they make out they are. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're we're going to come to some of the stories as well, but I think that's very interesting the way he does that as well. He plays with economics a lot, Conan Doyle, when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah, it tends to be a big flag, I think, right? It's, you know, it's one of those things that, that sort of turn up like, okay, you can't necessarily trust this situation because they're being, you know, offered so much money or he, he sort of he uses that as that sort of like flag to let you know hey this isn't all it's it seems i think well i think that he's also got to justify at some point because he is he's not he's not always a polite man sherlock um, <laughs> no <laughs> it, it does make me think why does he accept the case and it, it, it's clearly the advance isn't it so i think i think that's one thing that um i've got some theories about a pinner as a con man yeah is, is he as good as he makes out he is um but um that that would be my worry with the story. Why why give him a hundred pounds? I know he's got to entice him and say this is your money. Yeah. This is a, yeah. your new salary. But that would also excite my suspicions as well. And it does obviously because he goes to Sherlock and says I don't think this is right. Involved, but but why does he take although the case? He, yeah, although he yeah. doesn't he doesn't do that until I mean until after he's he's seen the gold. It's the gold tooth, right? That really. Yeah twigs him that something's something's wrong the the money doesn't really make the make the difference um i don't know maybe i mean maybe it's because he's you know he's been out of work he says that he's you know he managed to save about 70 pounds but he'd almost gone through it all right which is another um, significant so about four or five thousand pounds possibly yeah yeah i guess that'd be yeah probably yeah so uh, um eight or nine yeah 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 it will be yeah yeah so yeah, that's that. So he's a kind of needing ready cash, maybe. Although again, he could get that by keeping the keeping the job at Mawson's. So yeah, that's true. So, so do, we, do we think Pinner is is um is a good con man, or is he just unlucky? Well, he. I mean, if you if you really think of of you know a con man being you know confidence man and inspiring confidence he really does do that he's got that that talk to him where he's got an answer to everything yeah 
Um, and he really, you know, does work to to earn his trust. I keep sitting and wondering though, why why the one man played the two parts? Yeah, yeah, right? oh, yeah. Why, why did exactly. the guy that was going to Mawson's? Why didn't he come and you know be the brother there? And then because he's not going to see him again. The only thing I could think of was that he didn't want. Pycroft to be able to identify him because of course he didn't plan on getting caught that's the only thing that I can think of or, or indeed just anybody else yeah could, could have done that because all they've got to do is say would you want this job and that's literally yeah, all they've yeah. got to do you know it's, it's not it's not nothing too bad um the only problem I can see when, when I, the reason I asked that question about is 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 uh is any good is because when he says what do you intend to do about Morton's I intend to write and resign don't do that I wanted to do this what if Pycroft just says, no, no, I don't like that. No, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll write and say, no, I've got another job, thanks. I mean, yeah. I mean, surely at, at that point, Pinner's just got to run from the room, hasn't he? <laughs> because, okay, uh, in that case, forget it. I'm, uh, no, I didn't, no, no, go go away, no. Yeah, I know it's yeah. your house, you know. Really that, that's a problem. That, he's, he's basing a lot on the fact that he just... He thinks the you know the argument with with Mawson's manager is going to sort of um, is is going to persuade him to to leave him alone. And that bit didn't sit well with me. I yeah, think. yeah, maybe it's the it, it's you know he thinks that he can get him because of telling him oh you know we pulled him out of the gutter or or something to that effect, right? Um, I. Yeah, I don't know. It is you're right. A lot, a lot really hangs on one particular thing yeah. happening or not happening, right? It really is going to be completely, completely messed up. This whole plan well, going to be completely messed up. But <laughs> well, well, also Pycroft could just say, "Oh, what he said that? I'm going to go and see him now." Yeah, that's uh, true. Uh, no, no, actually, can you? Can we're planning to rob it? So can you not? No, hang on, not rob it. Um, for some reason. I, I really like Harry Pinner more than Arthur, and I don't know why that is. <laughs> I know that's the same man. I know he's not quite. Maybe it's just because he's not. He's not quite as irritatingly chirpy <laughs> as, yeah. as, as as the other Pinner. Um, more screen time. You, you sort of. Although I don't know that you really get to know him all that much. Either of them, right? No. No, I think it's because it maybe it just appears a bit more dour and. Um, and, and maybe it's because he's got the harder job because you know he, he obviously he goes to is it Corporation Street John or something like that and he says um, sorry that's Wikipedia John that's the reason I asked that question <laughs> um, he um, well uh, like you know he's, he's, I suppose he's got the harder job he's got to say like you know yeah look I know this just looks like somebody's bedroom we're in at the moment rather than an office and there's no name above the door but trust me. Um, it's it, it's all legal, so I suppose that's the hardest bit to do. That you know, that, that's going to be quite a tricky yeah, bit. Yeah, he, he really, yeah, he really does have to to sell it and and really make Pycroft, you know, comfortable and believe, despite all of his suspicions, right? So it, it I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's less dangerous. Yeah. Although we don't also know what he's doing. I always wonder too, what's he doing every day? Because he's only there oh, when Pycroft it, goes, right? Well, this is my next question, John. I'm going to ask you this question as well. What's the job? I don't understand what the job is. So they're selling crockery into San Reno and all these outlets. What does he have to do? I, I, I honestly genuinely don't understand what his job is. What he's doing for them now? Or yeah, what, 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 yeah what's, what, what's he supposed to be doing? Why would he be copying out lists of... Because he's a clerk, isn't he? 
I think, oh, I think it's um, what I was, what I was going to say is I think that he, uh, it's the idea is that they've told him that we, we're still getting set up, we're finalizing our contracts, and so we're gonna, um, we don't have quite the stuff for you to do yet, but you're going to be the manager. But in the meantime, we want to know where everything, every potential vendor that we could sell to is. That, or, would that or, be his job, or, though, as a clerk? I don't know if it would be. Um, but they're not I, hiring him as a, uh, they're not hiring him as a clerk. They're hiring him as a manager, right? Yeah, he doesn't have so, anything yeah. to manage yet. So I know it does seem, it does seem weird because you, you would think, maybe it's just, maybe they're also going on the fact that he hasn't been a manager before so he doesn't necessarily yeah. know what would be a legitimate job description <laughs> possibly yeah i mean that's what i mean obviously all he's really doing is copying out the encyclopedia encyclopedia britannica like, <laughs> yeah. uh, like like paul jebez did all those months ago but uh i suppose it's just the same thing as that it's just that, that's a genuine question man i just genuinely yeah. didn't understand what his job was supposed to be how many crockery retailers must there be in Paris? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Or days to copy it out. Yeah. Yeah, it would take a long time. You know, I mean, in some in some ways, the the redheaded league is almost more believable with the with the copying too, though, because they they straight up say that this is busy work, right? That you're just doing this. You know, we we can't just give you the money. You're doing this to um j just so that we can pay you an, a nominal salary but it's it they, they basically straight up say that we're doing busier work busy work right so yeah um, he, 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 they basically say straight away look we know this is a deliberate nonsense but it's just free money so just do it mm -hmm. and, and, and I, I do like that approach as well um that's just that's just me i've just never understood how those things work i think it's really really strange and I've also got a feeling that poor Nathan Garadeb is going to be a few weeks behind him doing exactly <laughs> the same thing, except he's yep. looking for somebody else. But I just for some reason, may I just consider this to be the same road? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just sure that's what it is, because apparently there's only one city where you can do this, according to Sir Arthur. And I guess it depends if, um, you know, if Sir Arthur's knowledge of Birmingham has been any better than London. <laughs> I, th I think he's seen it on a map. No, Sir Arthur did in fact live in Birmingham. Um, did he? In the 18th, I, I just have the year now. Um, 80, around 1880, 1878 to 1881, he lived in Birmingham, um, not far from uh, Corporation Street, in fact. Oh. And there is a blue plaque uh, commemorating him living in Birmingham. I'm going to have to look that up now. I didn't know oh, that. Really interesting, yeah. Of course, that means that means yeah. nothing because he lived in London too, and he thinks Farringdon's next door to the Strand. Yes, that 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 is true. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I just really really liked Harry Pinner a lot more, and I think what's the the big talking point I think about this story. I think it's a really most. I think what what Condor could have done is just say, step into the street, get a police constable arrest this man and leave it at that. But it's, he really goes to town on the remorse. And he's done this before in, in, in the, the cardboard box as well, where, um, as we pointed out on that show, that um, uh, Jim in that story, the murderer, gets more sympathy and more screen time 
than the poor people he killed. Yeah. Um, he's really interested in remorse lately, and there's a huge amount of this, obviously, because he tries to kill himself because he realises his mate's going to hang. Yeah, I find that really weird because I didn't really understand. I think because of the way Holmes describes it, you know, it can inspire such affection that he, uh, you know, turns to suicide when he learns his brother's neck is, is forfeit. And I thought, well, but wh why? I don't understand that he would try to kill himself because of that. Like maybe shame that he helped get either because he's helped get his brother into this situation or maybe he's ashamed because having somebody in your family who was hanged for murder might be very shameful well would be very shameful but um i mean he's a, they're both criminals anyways so yeah. I, yeah i didn't really get it why why he would why he would try to to commit suicide and why would he go to the office to do it because he seems to forget that pycroft's there yeah why would he go to a building that he doesn't that he obviously is completely you know bogus oh but he doesn't. But he doesn't know. I, I don't think he knows until he gets there. Remember, he uh, they see him buy the paper. Oh, yeah, he buys the paper. Of course, he does. Yeah. Yeah. So that that might be it. That he's he's because he's supposed to meet Pycroft there, and he goes to do it, and then they um, and then then he finds it afterwards. So. I, I also really like the fact that it is the most useless disguise. It really is. And they just drop it immediately because it's yeah. so bad. Yeah. Let's, let's just, I'm uh, and who are these people? Oh yeah, yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah, I'm not not the slightest. Obviously, because he's got all the things on his mind. Not the slightest bit suspicious. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. Just, goes, whatever, mate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sure. We can we can find you. Yeah, just we can find you something. Now go away. Just leave me alone. <laughs> I've, I've, I've just got to do a little bit of suicide in this yeah. grim back room of a. Um, I, I don't understand how really he. Well, I suppose it wouldn't really matter, but you know, how does he even tend to get away from? Oh, oh, he's killed himself. And that, that, that was a bit weird as well. Uh, this uh, sounds like I'm being critical yeah. of the story, and I, I genuinely love the story. Uh, yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it a lot more than the three Garadeps. Because oh, that, yeah. that just made me. I mean, the fact that the enemies, the, 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 the baddies called, literally called Killer Evans. I know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, would you, John, would you like to meet my friend? Um, um, I don't know where he does for a living. His name's Killer Evans. No, no, I, I, I wouldn't want to meet Killer Evans. Thank you. Yeah, no, it, no, could do without that. <laughs> yeah, I think I like that. It, it's it's just I don't know what it is I like about it, and yeah, it, it's it's a really strange story for me. This just because it's just nice. Yeah, but, I, I very much like it as a story. I right, I do actually like it a lot as a story in and of itself. It's just where I sit there and, and have problems is do I like it as a Sherlock Holmes story? But I do like it as a as a story. Um, but you know, I, I always wonder like what happens because what, what does Holmes actually do? Because the, the guy is caught before, before they even get there, right? The, the one who was at Mawson's and it, it just, it very much seems like he doesn't do anything. And yet all. he knows, doesn't he? Cause he says, he, he, he said, I like what he says the word poo. That made me laugh when I read that. Oh, poo. <laughs> that's perfectly simple why you've yeah. done that. And so his, his job seems to be to explain it all. But I read Leslie Klinger's um, uh, annotated notes on this, and someone comes up with very, very good points. Why does he go to Birmingham? Why not just go straight to Mawson's and say, oh, you're about to be ripped off really badly? Yeah. I yeah. can answer that. I can answer that. It's because he's missed Watson, so he wants the dragon yeah. on an adventure yeah. across the country. And, that uh, makes sense. That's why I think it is. 
So are, are you saying, John, that, that, that the slipper deduction just wasn't enough for him? No, no, yeah. He, you know, I, I don't think he wants the full, the full, to give Watson the full, ex, the full Watson experience. Watch <laughs> experience. Let's drag him across the country for something I could have solved in my armchair in Baker Street. And well, like some sort of murder mystery weekend thingy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. I know what's going to happen. Well, let's get this man killed first. Yes, but I mean, you know, he he gives Watson does uh, end up having a lot to do, right? So <laughs> he he gets to pretend to be somebody else for a second, which is the most yeah. action he's as as I've always literally had in months. Yeah, but he Sorry, does get uh, to be a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, John. He gets his first aid on. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. There's a bit of doctoring. Yeah. Which for once doesn't involve giving someone brandy. <laughs> right, I noticed that, and and you know, like uh, early artificial respiration. <laughs> he's Which a proper doctor of... now, though, isn't he? Oh yeah, he's, he's, he's dropped the brandy. <laughs> he's, he's gone. He's gone back to the books completely. <laughs> there aren't many people in this story as well. Is it literally the three of them? Four of them? Sorry. I think so. Which yeah. Is supposedly five. Well, I mean. Off screen, there's a cab driver and there's a. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that cab driver, all he's thinking about is his tip. If he's heard the story already. Oh, yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. I would like a thousand pounds, please, to take you from. Um, does that actually say where, where Watson's um, practice is? I, I read some... But it's the Paddington yeah. one, isn't it? It's the Paddington one, yeah. So it's. it's... Yeah, it is Paddington. I'm, I'm just having a quick look here to see if it does say it anywhere. I, I think on, on the Radio 4 version they say it's Queen Anne Street he's in. Or maybe that's later for um, for, for Watson's problematic second marriage. Right. Which, 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 uh, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. But uh... it, it just says Paddington District. What does the Paddington... Okay. Include Carl, would you say? As a... I would say that would be around the hospital. Well, obviously St Mary's Hospital, which I imagine is where he gets most of his patients, and from the railway line, uh, a little bit of Edgware Road, maybe that sort of area, maybe to Marlebone. Can't think what would be west of that Royal Oak, things like that. So yeah, probably around that. So it's basically, um, it's what it probably is, John. Is is all those Welsh people getting off the train? Yeah, well, in them. Uh... In the engineer's fun, it was from Paddington, the guy who was brought to him, wasn't yeah. it? Yes. Yeah, it must be yeah, near yeah. the station. Is Baker Street in the Paddington district? If Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I used to work in Paddington. I, I'm, if, if I wanted to walk to the Northern Line, um, I would walk past Baker Street. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Baker Street is, yeah. Pretty much. It's, is it's it Paddington or is it Marlebone? Well, it's between the two. Uh, oh, okay. the, 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 the three lines next to each other. Um, I, like, I like it when we go back to Tube Talk. Didn't even someone in Toronto at the moment. I really like that. <laughs> That's really well. So stop, stop, Brokers Clark. Um, we've, we're giving it the big thumbs up. Yeah. Where does it sit amongst the two other stories? Is it better than Redheaded League? Is it better than Garadeb? It's definitely better than Garadeb. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think we're absolutely one hundred percent unanimous on that, aren't we? Yes, I think so. Um, I. You know, I think I'd almost I'd edge the the redheaded league above it simply because that's like the first time we see that particular that's, that's, plot. That's the genius one, isn't it? That's the genius. Yeah. yeah. I think. 
and the, and the, the fact and the fact that it's got Sherlock going off to a concert in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Not going to worry. We can't do anything till this evening, so we'll just we'll just head off to go see a concert. And and and, and Paul, and sorry, I'm going to relate the story again in case I've already missed the previous show. But on the Redheaded League, where they go to watch the concert uh, on the Jeremy Brett version, uh, and it shows them sat there in the theatre. That's my school. That was, filmed, that was filmed in my school, so I want everyone to know that. So I'd like to thank Paul Edwards for pointing that out to me as well. Um, there's actually not a great deal else to talk about the, about the stockbroker class, just because. But I, I really like it because I like it because it's concise. I like it because Sherlock doesn't do much, and again, he's fallible. Not as fallible as the Yellow Face, but it's not exactly a return to form from the Yellow Face. Yeah. Um, he, he just sort because you know he, he could have just stuck around and you know sorted it out from home and maybe a man wouldn't have been killed you know so you, there's that to it but yes. and and I really like the common idea who just happens to have this one feature which means that he can't really be a good common I mean I like the fact that he's bearded and then clean shaven the next day yeah yeah come <laughs> on I mean if the man can't get, can't can't see through his fake beard. I know, I know. It's a, it's a bit. Yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to think. I mean, Holmes does make a point that they, that he's in dimmer light. I think with the ones, so maybe. He's got to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean. <laughs> they are brothers as well, and you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and again, the Radio Four version says like you know you, you expect people to look alike, particularly if you're told they look alike because they're brothers. You are really less, sus- you, you are less suspicious, aren't you? If if that's the case. Yeah. But um, but but no, I I really love that story. Um, big question is, mm-hmm. mostly yes. <laughs> if we took away the obvious story, <laughs> if this is actually one thing I should say is, it's what is your favourite Sherlock story? You know, um, I love the solitary cyclist. I also have a real affection for the Devil's Foot because it's just really. It, I do, and I don't know what it is. I. I think it's it's just because it's it's just such a strange one. Um, I I don't know that I would say you know say from from a story point of view that it's the the greatest or anything, but I just I really like the the just the atmosphere that's there and it's just kind of a neat a neat story. But the solitary cyclist too is is an absolute favorite. Well, I, I I can tell you that Catherine Cook from the Sherlock Holmes Society of London is the is, will be our guest for the solitary cyclists. Oh, that's and, amazing! <laughs> and, 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 and since you can't say no because you're on you're on air at the moment, would you like to come back and do the Devil's Foot? I'd love to. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Aha! Uh-huh. See, that is yeah. live admin, John. That is live <laughs> admin done there and then. We like to secure a guest. So uh, uh, during every show, if we can. So you're not allowed. You're not allowed a Mazarin stone. Okay. <laughs> what is your least favourite Sherlock story? Uh, probably Case of Identity. Um, oh, John loves it. Just because... Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a, another one. But um, also, also I want to say the, 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 the Three Gables, too, just because... Oh, so racist. Oh, uh, God, yeah, so that's... racist. We, we are going to have to do something when we come to, when we come to do the three gables. I, we're going to have to have thirty five people on that show. I think just to... and it never gets any better in any of the adaptations. <laughs> I no one's ever been able to make that one not racist. But please tell me there isn't a children's version. I don't know. Oh, the three gables. 
Oh, I really hope not, because oh, that one, that one is uh, that would be disturbing. I think, but oh, yeah, that, that is the worst one, isn't it? That is the worst one to have a yeah. children's version of. Oh yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> oh god, that would be so bad. That would be so bad. <laughs> well, Leslie, thank you for coming on and joining us. Um, uh, we will see you back again for Devil's Foot. Uh, where can where can we hear about your podcast that isn't out yet? Yeah. <laughs> well, we are. Um, Actually, we are recording um, a trailer for it tomorrow, so it will have a spot. Um, probably by the time this actually posts, it will be, you'll be able to find it. Um, and it is called Evidently Sherlock, The Case for Adaptations. Um, and it'll be on anywhere we can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever we can get it up. So, Can you be having guests on it? We haven't actually got that far yet, but we might. Would you be interested in being a guest? <laughs> I, I think I would be remiss of me if I didn't advertise myself for the BBC Radio 4 versions. All right. <laughs> Bearing in mind that I'm, I'm a, a one-man campaign to get everybody who worked on that show knighted. Oh, yeah, as, it's as, amazing. As, as possible. Yeah, yeah, posthumous for Michael Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying his name again. The, <laughs> the poor man's A, not going to appear on our show, and B, I'm going to have some sort of injunction against me. I'm really if excited mentioned... to hear him on here, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we've got big plans. Well, the, the plan at, at the moment is that um, both he and Leslie Klinger are going to come on and do the final problem and the empty great. house. We're going to do it as a double header. That's going to be great. That, that, that's, that's the plan at the moment, um, which we're really looking forward to. Um, fantastic. Well, we'll see you for the devil's foot. Fantastic. And um, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. really enjoyed it. It was great. <laughs> I would like to thank our hosts at Rippercast, as well as producers Jonathan Mengus and John Rees. A special thank you too to Andrew Firth, who created both the graphics and the theme music. You can contact us on Twitter at Adler to Amberley. Thank you for listening. <laughs>